Welcome back to Talking Troy. I'm your host, Anthony Green, Deputy Sports Center at Daily Trojan. I'm joined with Taylor Mills, as always, Sports Center at Daily Trojan. Taylor, how's it going? I just got a text inviting me to Froyo, and I can't do it because I'm doing this, because I'm here with y'all. I'm super excited to be here. I'm not complaining in any way or shape or form. I can't because we're in the Sweet 16. So, my kiss and Froyo <laughs> later. <laughs> yes. You know, like they say, we're still dancing. We're still alive after... Uh, a weekend of college basketball, March Madness, and what type of madness was that? Because I did not expect the Kansas outcome. We'll talk about that. First, shout out to Drake. It broke my heart to see them lose, but it's okay not to happen <laughs> because Drake, obviously, favorite rapper. People understand. Anyways, but then after that, the beatdown of Kansas, the 34-point, I don't know, just beatdown is really the best word. It just seemed very... It was very satisfying to watch that. But we'll go into those pros. We'll go into the preview of the Oregon game. Um, and then we'll obviously go into the, some updates of other sports. I'm not sure we'll talk about Gonzaga because we don't need to talk about Gonzaga. We all know what's going to happen. But Taylor, some first let's start off with some pros from that from those two games against Drake and against Kansas. And then, you know, you can come up with some cons. There aren't a lot of cons, but go ahead with pros from those two games? I mean, number one pro, we didn't choke. Um, and I really like was expecting it from this team. Um, we win at the very like inconvenient moments and then we often lose when we need a dub the most. And that like didn't happen, obviously. Um, I don't, I did not recognize the SC team that came out against Kansas. And I honestly didn't recognize the Kansas program either. Honestly, it's been, it's a little embarrassing to say that I'm from Kansas right now and having to explain that situation, but whatever, I'm over it. I'm here. I'm going to take it. Um, let's like, let's, let's get into that because I want to talk about what all went right for the Trojans to get there. And number one, like defense, um, when you hold a team to 29% shooting and it's not just like 29, they didn't shoot a lot. This is a Kansas team that has an efe- efficient offense. They shot the ball 62 times. Only 18 times did that thing go through the net. That's crazy. And that means that you just, you, they put a ton of pressure on the people at the right moment. The highest scorer for Kansas was Marcus Garrett with 15 points. Everybody else was in the single digits, which is crazy. Um, and then when you look at what we did as a team beyond shutting down Kansas, um, USC was helmed not by the Mobley you thought that would be. It was Isaiah Mobley that led this team, guys, and I'm so proud of him. Number one, he made the free throw. He was one and one on the free throw, guys. Like, that's crazy. Um, That doesn't happen. Um, And most of all, he was just an incredibly sharp shooter behind the arc. Um, And so I'm just, I'm very shocked at the leader of the game. He wasn't who I expected it to be, and I think it's actually a great sign. Because now we know that Evan Mobley is rested. Um, He played 27 minutes, but he did not tax himself trying to carry this offense. And so, um, obviously, I think USC is probably going to come off this win on a very high high. And uh, they are probably going to look at Oregon, a team of which they have beaten um, by the dozens before, um, probably incredibly confident. Yeah, we'll get into the Oregon one, but to, just to quickly touch upon the Drake one, um, you know, it was the first half, Joseph Yusef, one of the, the Drake guards, 
was just unconscious. I think he had about 18 of the team's first 24 points, so he was just draining everything. Um, and then he came out the second half and was really kept in check. Tajiri did a great, great job, and they just you know, got the win after that. But the Kansas one, you talked about it, man. I mean, nobody expected that to happen. Nobody expected them to come out and just blow the gates out. 34-point win against Kansas. I mean, like you said, Isaiah Mobley was outstanding. I think he might have read my column about 55 times before those two matchups and probably thought, to hell with this Anthony guy. I'm going to show him how to play. And I hope he did it. Isaiah, if you're listening, you are welcome because he was just outstanding. He played just amazing. But I mean, the best basketball of, of the season, for sure. And then to move on to the to the other players, uh, I don't want to say other like that, but you know what I mean. Uh, you know, Evan Mobley, obviously, he didn't have a great game. Well, I mean, it was a great game, but he didn't need to have a good game. Uh, five players in double figures against Kansas, which was just outstanding. Drew Peterson, Isaiah White came alive, 13 points. I think he had three threes. And then uh, Drew Peterson, Chavez Goodwin, Ethan Anderson had nine points. He had some good buckets. So a lot of pros from that game. Um, the defense was just disgusting. You, you talked about it. Miles Garrett, or Mark, geez, not Miles Garrett. Marcus Garrett, he had 15 points. but took him 15 shot attempts. So not an efficient night. And the rebounding, I think they won by the rebounding margin by, by about 16. I think it was about 43 to 27. That's just, that's crazy. A dominant performance on the boards. And then that really goes into the, the Oregon game. You talked about them having a high. Isaiah Mobley talked about it after the game. They feel like when they're confident, you know, not a, you know, no team can beat them. But obviously that is not the case because any team can be beaten. Uh, but what do you think is really the the key going into this Oregon matchup? A Pac-12 foe, someone they played in February, I think February twenty second. But what what do you think is going to be important for for USC to do? Well, let's take a look back at that February game. Um, that was off of a very hard road series, and we won seventy two to fifty eight. Um, and quite honestly, like I remember it being in very surprising fashion. I remember being very scared for that game, um, but we ended up winning um i believe the rebound battle again and i think um that's a big thing is when our defense shows up and we limit our teams to under 60 then we're almost guaranteed the dub um taj ed was incredible in that game he had 24 points and so um looking back at that box score you kind of see that the mobley brothers took a step back um and even Evan Mobley only had 11 and so I think it's when you have multiple players going in the double digits and points is when you see um, USC at their finest but um, one thing that we have to remember about Oregon is they are a postseason team and what I mean by that is they tend to get hot when it matters the most Um, this is a very I I don't know how to describe this program I would say it's meant for these big moments Um, It is a basketball brand now. They have been in the Sweet 16 four out of the last five rounds, um, which is a pretty great track record. And quite honestly, like it's very beneficial to have a coaching staff that understands how to address the needs of your players and how to scout, especially in a very competitive, very fast-paced tournament um, situation. And so um, they're they're kind of going into this not as the underdogs, but as the people who you know are coming with the experience. And don't underestimate the effect of that um we were talking about this earlier because 
Chris Duart um, is probably going to be the biggest threat to look out for on the Oregon side. Um, against Iowa, he had over tw- he had 23 points, um, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and next to him was LJ Figueroa, who had 21 points. Um, so again, you see a slate of basketball players who are putting up um, double-digit points, and that means that this is an incredibly efficient offense um, and that they're, very, they're gelling. They're doing what they need to do. I mean, they scored 95 points. Um, so that's a lot. And I, if I'm USC, I'm incredibly confident, but I'm also just a, limit, a little intimidated by what I've seen out of this Oregon Ducks team that has reinvented themselves in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you touched upon some important stuff. Oregon always plays fantastic in the postseason, no matter who they have, no matter what, how the season or regular season goes. They always show up. Um, and that's something that, that the USC has to be aware of. You talked about the first matchup. Um, I mean, this is two comp- these are two completely different teams, in my opinion. But we obviously have to base it. I was feeling the same way you were feeling. I was a little nervous going to that because they hadn't played Oregon yet. And there was just buzz about Oregon. There was just just the aura of Oregon and, you know, the athletics. Just ask, you know, Keaton Slovis, Clay Elton. Just ask them, you know, what happens when you underestimate <laughs> the Ducks, which is what USC should not do. But to talk about that, that Iowa game, I mean, Oregon... They've got outstanding guards, and I think we've talked about this with UCLA for sure. Um, but you know, you talk about Chris Duarte and then LJ Figueroa and Will Richardson. They combined for sixty-three points uh, in that game, and they shot combined sixty-six percent from the field. So they're really streaky. They can really they can put the ball in the basket. They're outstanding three-point shooters, and USC has had some trouble defending the perimeter during the season. That's usually been something they've you know, not been able to do consistently. So that's that's going to be the story of the game. But it's going to be important for them to really get out. Like we've talked about it multiple times, but especially last week we talked about it, of them to come out and be confident, to be energized, and just get off to a good start. And, and no scoring droughts. I don't think they've had any scoring droughts so far. So just keep it that way, and I think they'll be fine. Uh, one name to mention, though, uh, from Oregon, I hope I'm saying his name right, forward Eugene. Uh, Omarui, I think I said that right, Eugene Omarui, he's an outstanding, outstanding player, but he's basically Oregon's tallest player, <laughs> and I think this is a matchup that favors USC because of their length, their defensive versatility, they're going to have to hone in on those shooters, those guards, those players of Oregon, because the battle really isn't going to be USC's offense versus Oregon's defense, but really it's going to be Oregon's offense versus USC's defense. Kind of like the football game, but uh, especially now, because I think USC has the ability to defend um, these this team, but they've got to be confident and they've got to be they've got to be consistent. Um, and and Taylor, just one last thing: Are there any players you're looking to see anything from? I, I first thing to mention though, Isaiah Mobley. He didn't play in that first matchup against Oregon. He was out. Do you think that, you know, he's going to be play a big role into this one? I mean, that's the thing about Isaiah Mobley is he hasn't been the most consistent. Um, but if I'm Coach Enfield and I'm looking at my team and I'm looking at what went well for this win against Kansas and how we can repeat it, I'm obviously going to approach Isaiah Mobley and say, look, like, you got to stay with the pace that you've set for yourself um, because we need that. And, um, you know, your teammates rely on that in order to not feel exhausted and fatigued. And um, another thing, too, is like, again, like we're going to need that starting five to all show up. 
Um, I've always thought it was going to be through Drew Peterson to lead this team, um, maybe because he's a junior, maybe because um, he's a sharp shooter, but it always tends to fall on Isaiah White and Taj Edie. They tend to be the people who surprise us. And um, quite honestly, like I remember the press conference before the NCAA tournament, Taj Edie was saying, you know, like, he has nothing to lose with this tournament. This is his last go around. Um, he's a redshirt senior and this is on his way out. Um, so I don't, I see him and I see his end game and the fact that he knows that everything is on the line for him. So look, look out for Taj Edie to make a huge impact against the Oregon Ducks. Yeah, great point. Taj Edie, he's 24. People forget that. So he's, he's an older college player and he's had bad, for his first two games were, they weren't as, as good as you might have expected. He didn't shoot the ball well in either of those games. The first game against Drake, though he didn't shoot the ball well, he still had 10 assists and he had one turnover that came off a of press. So, you know, didn't really, I wouldn't say that it's like a huge turnover, but he, yeah, I think I think I agree with you. He has to step up. I think he's got to, he's got to play a big role. Um, Drew Peterson has really shown up. Isaiah Mobley's shown up. Evan Mobley hasn't had like a dominating game, but he he, he really hasn't had to. Um, I think now, Sweet 16, I wouldn't be surprised if he kept gets more assertive and you also talked about this the starting five if they all reach double figures USC is undefeated when three or more players reach double figures so it's going to be I mean very very important for that um for that to happen so you know it's it's a good matchup and and if they there's a lot of hectic or not hectic but there's a lot of beef so and so with this matchup I don't know if you saw Isaiah Mobley was talking about it and he kind of said that you know Oregon stole the Pac-12 championship from them and you know he said I don't want to call it I don't want to necessarily say that they got luck because they are a good team but they stole the Pac-12 championship from us I think we match up well though we both have chips on our shoulder so there's some there's some beef to it it's getting spicy and same with Andy Enfield he said to play Oregon in the Sweet 16 honestly I wish we were playing a team from another conference I'm not sure how we're meeting them in the Sweet 16 uh, and then he added they were 14 to 4 in the league we were 15 to 5 this year i think it'll be a great college basketball game so i mean they obviously have some there's something going on there but it's still my main concern is what if oregon gets ahead of themselves and was like hey you know what we can like we want to prove that you know we're we should have won that and and we deserved it um but we'll have to see and then if they win first elite eight since 2001 which is pretty remarkable and then possibly well, most likely it'll be gonzaga um, and then we don't we don't have to preview that because we kind of know what's going to happen. But <laughs> like we always do, um, we'll have to give some updates. There's more sports going on. It's not just basketball. It's not just football. Taylor, what are some of the updates you have available? All right. Um, let's get it rolling with water polo. Um, men's, the, yeah, the men's squad fell to UCLA in the NCAA championship match. Unfortunately, six to seven tough scene um but hey i mean it was their 16th straight championship appearance and so obviously that program's doing exactly what they need to um incredible season by the guys and the women's water polo team which is number one in the country right now competes at home this weekend against san jose state um they're nearing the postseason uh range right now so definitely look out for them um every game matters now um, let's jump to tennis. So women's tennis travels to Oregon for a Pac-12 ta- contest on Friday. And then the number 11 men's, men's tennis team is coming off a shutout against the Cardinal Stanford. It was 7-0. And I like just to give some context, they have the Pac-12 player of the week. They have two of the top doubles pair in the country, one of them being undefeated. 
and they now look forward to an Arizona series this Friday. They're in Tucson, and they head to Temp to play Arizona State. And then to round it out for me, uh, men's golf is back in action at the Goodwin Tournament hosted by Stanford, and so it runs all through this weekend. Awesome. Thank you. Let's go to David, uh, the other sports editor at Daily Trojan, to give us some baseball updates. So it's definitely been an up-and-down season for head coach Jason Gill and the Trojans. Um, They started the season, I think, winning two of their first three, and then they dropped two straight series to get to three and six, but they actually have swept two straight series to get to nine and six, and they dropped most recently, they dropped a game to San Diego to drop to nine and seven. So a little bit of good, and then a few weeks of bad, and then a couple weeks of good, so they're struggling to find some consistency for sure. Um... I would say defensively, there's been a good amount of issues. I mean, this might be cherry-picking cherry stats, but there was a five-game stretch against, I think, Cal Poly, Cal State Fullerton, Pepperdine, and UCLA, um, where they gave up 41 combined runs, and they lost four of those five games. So, I mean, when you're giving up over eight runs per game, I mean, it was interesting to see um, head coach Gill was not even really being critical of the pitchers missing their spots or anything. He was just very upset at the defense, and... um when they were going through those rough patches, it seemed like he was a little more annoyed at the uh, defensive errors than he was at the pitching. But they've, they've kind of rectified that. I mean, like I said, since they were at that point where they were 3-6, and six, um, they swept Nevada. Uh, they had a cool walk-off home run from Jamal O'Gwin. Um, they swept Washington last weekend. They opened up Pac-12 play with a three-game sweep in Seattle of Washington. Um, redshirt senior utility John Thomas was on fire last weekend. He was actually named the Pac-12 Player of the Week. Um, I believe he was in Saturday's game. He went. Uh, he had a career best five hits. He went five for five. Um, total in total for the series, he was I think six for ten, and um, six RBIs. So I mean, if if they can get players like Ogwen and Thomas really contributing and defensively they're a little bit more sound and the pitching really starts to come into form. I mean, I guess this could be a um, a good a good transition point for the Trojans for sure. I would be wary. I mean, they do come into this um, their most their, their upcoming series is against UCLA, who is um, I think ranked twelfth in the country right now. So definitely a, a tough matchup. But um, it, it it'll be interesting for sure. I mean, uh, the last game between USC and UCLA I think was a few weeks ago. Um, UCLA won ten one. So the Trojans are definitely up against it here. But um, I mean, they're coming in on. They won six of their last seven, so hopefully they can uh, transition this into a, a, a good few weeks here for them. All right. Thank you, David. Your insight is always appreciated. Now I'll be joining, or not joining, but I will be going on with the rest of the sports. First, women's soccer. We talked about their outstanding, outstanding performance against UCLA last weekend. Uh, now they'll be playing Arizona Friday. We're recording this on Thursday, so it, you know by the time this comes up, the game might be over. They're currently 3-3-1, three, three and one, so a pretty solid outing. Um, and the beach volleyball, who was undefeated 10-0, they're outstanding. They beat Pepperdine 4-1. They'll play Oregon and Utah State at the Pac-12 South Invitational this weekend. Beach volleyball, by the way, is a very hard sport. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Um, and then we go to lacrosse, another very hard sport. Uh, they lost Arizona State uh, last week, and they beat Fresno State. They'll be playing Colorado and Oregon this week, so it's going to be some more Pac-12 action for them. And then um, women's volleyball, who I think the last week they played Oregon in a two-game slate. They lost the first one. They they won the second one. They'll be playing Arizona twice this week and then Colorado, so Pac-12 for them as well. 
that men's volleyball, they have a three-game series against Stanford. Um, and they'll be playing, oh, yes, three games uh, slated against Stanford, and then BYU right after that. And then finally, rowing, one of my favorite sports. Uh, they won two out of the three races at the San Diego State Invitational, and they'll be playing UCLA this week. So lots of, lots of sports going on on campus, not just basketball, not just football. Obviously, March Madness is making all the headlines, but lots of great sports going on. And that is it for this week's Talking Troy. Hopefully not the last... If this is the last one with, you know, previewing a basketball game, what a run it's been. Um, just extraordinary. I You know, I thought I knew they were going to be good. I didn't think they were going to be this good. Um, Taylor, any last wishes? Anything? I mean, a once-a-generation team right here with the Mobu brothers and Tajidi um, and Drew Peterson. And so I... Yeah, it's a little bittersweet going into these final games. Um, but I really hope it isn't the final. And you never know. That's the thing about March Madness. You say that Gonzaga's guaranteed. History shows that that is far from true. Um, so I really hope to be back here talking about more basketball with you guys. I don't know about you, but that's all I have to say. Yeah, for sure. And I, one thing I forgot to mention about the Gonzaga thing, I read an article a coach from their conference actually said that the matchup with USC is a hard one for Gonzaga because Gonzaga's never played a team with this size and this length and this versatility on defensive end. So you never know. Maybe maybe something, you know, I mean, more than likely it's not going to happen, but you never know. But to to, to say what, or uh, to counter what you were saying, yeah, it's been a great season. It's been very fun and very fun to cover, very fun to talk about. Hopefully it's not the end. And this is a team that's been very, very fun to watch. Um, obviously, Tajidi is gone, probably, or most likely. Chavez Goodwin will be gone. Evan Mobley, I mean, he's for sure. <laughs> if he stays, I will be very surprised. And who knows what Isaiah Mobley wants to do and, and Drew Peterson. But nonetheless, it's been a very fun team to watch, a very fun team to cover. Hopefully, it's not the end of the road. But that will do it for this week. Make sure to follow us on social media, DT underscore sports for our Twitter. Um, and then also make sure to follow our content on dailytrojan.com slash sports. Thank you all for tuning in and hope to see you next week.